Hey y'all, Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Okay, so today we're talking about Season 9, Episode 16, called Blade Runners. For some reason, I always think that this is a vampire episode. And because I don't of Blade. Know what... It's because of the movie's Blade. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I haven't seen those movies, but in you my You haven't mind, seen those I... movies? No. What? <laughs> I haven't. How? How? There's a lot of things I haven't seen. Also, like, I was a sheltered child. Mm-hmm. I guess you were a lot younger than I was when those <laughs> came out, but... Unpopular opinion, number three is the best. I think everyone thinks it's the worst, but it's funny. And that's why I think it's the best, because it's got Ryan Reynolds, who, hi. And then also also Parker Posey, who is like... Who the hell is that? She is a hysterical person. Like, I love her. I love her. Like, she... Is she she, in anything else? uh, She's in a lot of movies. What was she like? Like best in show, I can't tell you what she's been in recently. To oh, be honest, I yeah, don't know. yeah, she's so fucking funny <laughs> and like just that really like blunt, awkward. She's hysterical. Yeah, um, and she is just like this angry, pissed off vampire who like used to like slave own Ryan Reynolds, and she's just she's just so funny and so like <laughs> bitchy and vampy, and she's yeah. it's perfect. It is the best movie. Like, <laughs> like yeah, Wesley Snipes is. Like, whatever. Okay. Yeah. But, like, Parker Posey. Like, I just, it's great. It's great. I don't think anyone else feels that way, but. I mean, it's good. Also, okay. Blade <laughs> Runners, this title, I'm sure, is from the movie Blade Runner. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. Which I never, I mean, okay. Yeah. I did see it when I was little, but, like, I was too little. Yeah. I don't remember it. Yeah. And my feelings about it are, like, scared and unhappy. When what I is, think about is that Blade movie, Blade Runner is a vampire thing. No, it's like an it's an old movie, like old, and it's um it's like a futuristic like robots. Hmm. I wish I could tell you more about it, but yeah. like um who's in it? Uh, isn't it like well, Rucker Howard is in it. Who else? This is how old it is. I don't even remember. Like. Wow. Okay. Everyone listening. It's probably in the interesting facts. Yeah. It's a a really, really good movie that like our like the generation older than us. Yeah. Loved. Okay. Uh Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, it's like a futuristic like like robots like need to like turn off or like the life ends at some point and they kind of like rebel and you know, but like they're human and existential ish and like like Twilight Zone. It's a very like I think it's like a very like like beautiful and like moving kind of movie and Uh but like in a sci-fi way you know what i mean yeah so i'd probably like it but like i think i saw it when i was too young and it disturbed me yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) so i don't know anyway okay i uh probably like nothing i just said about that movie is probably true but (laughs) that's my that's what i I think it's about i don't know yeah okay so fire away (laughs) so we start out with sam and dean in the bunker in the library Sam is researching Cain and Abel on the computer, and Dean is pacing around. Uh, he's calling Crowley for, like, the thousandth time. Dean, into the phone, says, Come on, Crowley, pick up. Where the hell is he? It's not like he's got a social life. <laughs> Sam looks up from the computer and says, Uh, are you actually worried? Dean gets Crowley's voicemail. His message says, Too busy infl- inflicting pain to answer. Leave <laughs> a message. 
Dean would. Yeah. <laughs> Dean hangs up and is very annoyed. He says, guy's got one job. Find the first blade, bring it back. How hard is that? Sam says. Very not, but. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sam says, it's Crowley. He's not exactly a team player. Dean says, yeah, but his ass is on the line, too. He goes missing for weeks on end without a peep? Well, not one that makes sense, anyway. Listen to this. Dean puts his phone on the table and plays a voicemail on speakerphone. It's Crowley. He says, Dean, um, and then he does some weird sort of like mumbling ramblings. Sam says, wait a second. Did he drunk dial you? (laughs) Dean calls Crowley's phone again. He says, come on. Uh, And then we cut to Crowley. Um, His caller ID reads, not moose. (laughs) Uh, It is, in fact, squirrel. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And we see a bunch of clothes scattered on the floor. Uh, I think he's in a hotel room. And Crowley is in bed with, like, a young, pretty woman. There's some heavy breathing. And then Crowley kind of falls onto his back on a pillow. Crowley says, Lola. Lola says, my king. Crowley says, okay, he says something that I don't, I don't know how to say this word. My apres consummation treat. A-P-R-E-S. Apres? I don't know. Okay, well, I'm, yeah. Apre? Sure. Maybe without yeah. the S? Basically, he's like, <laughs> give me my post-orgasm treat, right? <laughs> Lola says, on it, sire. Lola gives, or she goes over to the closet and opens the door, and we see that there is a man tied and hanging from the hanger rod, which I'm impressed with that hanger rod, but okay. <laughs> Poor bastard. I know. Lola pulls out a syringe and sticks the needle in his neck, fills it up with blood. <coughs> Excuse me. The man struggles weakly, but then just passes out. Lola turns back to Crowley. She hands a syringe to him and says, pantry's almost empty. We'll need another volunteer. Crowley says, you should add that to your to-do list. Crowley sticks the needle into his arm and shoots up all the human blood. He says, ah, Lola. (laughs) (laughs) Lola, pet, I do believe I'm ravenous. Lola does a small bow and then leaves. So we cut to some time later. Lola returns with pizza and wine. She's, you know... (laughs) She's kind of, like, creeping around, spying on Crowley. He hasn't, like, noticed that she's really there yet. Uh, she sees Crowley watching Casablanca on the TV, and he is, like, he is sobbing. crying. Yeah, he is crying. <laughs> he's not, like, hysterically sobbing, but he's he's ugly crying a yeah. little bit, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, she kind of smirks to herself, and then she walks over to her. Oh, and then she watches Crowley wipe out his eyes. Uh, and then we get our opening title sequence. So we cut to a shipping warehouse Lola is waiting for someone. A hench demon walks up, uh, and she looks up at him. The hench demon says, my name is Aldo. And now I'm thinking, I want to go shop at Aldo's shoes. <laughs> Lola says, my intel is for Abaddon, minion. Aldo says, and she appreciates the work you've been doing. You've been doing. Lola says, at great peril. Aldo says, but she's tied up securing her place as a new leader of the kingdom. She assures you that all relevant information can be conveyed to me. So, update. What an answering system. I know, right? <laughs> Lola says, the king is off his game. Except for sex, pizza, and human blood, he has no interest. He can't function without me. Aldo says, well played. Lola says, I should mention, he keeps getting phone calls from those Winchesters. They keep leaving voicemails for him. Aldo says, saying? 
Lola says. Mostly if they're rude. One mentioned something called the first blade. Aldo pauses and then says, interesting. Follow how this develops and report in. Lola says, oh, I will. And when I do, I expect to report directly to the next queen of hell. Capiche? So we got to Sam and Dean and the Impala at a crossroads. Maybe. Sam is bearing a container of ritual items with some of their fake IDs while Dean finishes spray painting a giant devil's trap. Dean says, all right, do it. So Sam does the whole Latin chanting thing. <laughs> and they look around and suddenly Snooky appears behind them in the devil's trap. Hey, Snooky! <laughs> she has red eyes and she is very short compared to them. Oh, I yeah, just want to say. She's a small person. Yeah, like, I was I was surprised with her. her. From what I know of I think I looked it up at one point cuz I <laughs> I think I watched like 3 episodes and I was like she looks small. And, like, the rest of them don't look tall, but she looked, like, significantly smaller. And I want to say she was, like, no, oh, let me just double check because I don't want to lie. Okay. But she was, like, maybe five foot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, she just looks so teeny tiny compared to them. Um, Are you finding it out? Four right? eight. Holy balls. <laughs> she is four eight. That's crazy. <laughs> Okay. She's uh, almost two feet smaller than yeah. <laughs> them. Yeah. That's funny. Um, so Snooky says Winchesters. Sam says, I, is that a, Dean says, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> Sam says, okay, uh, look, uh, Snooky, can I call you Snooky? Snooky says, no, it's Nicole now. Sam says, okay, then Nicole, we can do this one of two ways. The easy way. You talk, or the easier way. And then he takes out Ruby's knife and says, you still talk. <laughs> Dean says, I vote for number two. Sam says, we just want some basic information on Crowley. That's it. Snooky says, Google him. Are we done? Sam moves forward uh, with the knife raised, but she says, whoa, not the face. Are you crazy? <laughs> Listen, guys, what happens in hell stays in hell. I got nothing. Dean says, but you do have a pretty sweet deal with Crowley in charge. If Abaddon wins, you can kiss all that goodbye. Sam says, all the fancy cars, the book deals. Dean says, showbiz can be tough. Also, does she have books? I have no idea. I <laughs> probably know, but I don't, yeah. Um, Snooky says, I'm doing fine. Thanks. Dean says, oh, well, good luck landing your next gig inside a devil's trap. Snooky sighs and says, what do you want to know? Sam says, where is Crowley? Snooky says, last time I heard, he was somewhere in the Western Pacific. Sam says, makes sense. Snooky says, really? Floating around in the ocean while his kingdom goes up in flames? (laughs) Dean says, meaning? Snooky says, hell's getting crazy. Even the loyalists want to sign on with Abaddon. She's going to make her move. Are we done? I got a thing. <laughs> Just like, ugh, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> I know. So Sam and Dean look at each other, and then Stam, Sam starts chanting the exorcism spell. Snooky says, seriously? An exorcism? We had a deal. Dean says, see ya, Snooks. <laughs> Sam continues the exorcism, and Snooky is totally exasperated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we cut to Crowley's room. Lola walks in the door with a handful of shopping bags. She says, honey, I'm home. Crowley says, hello, pumpkin. Did you have a nice day? Lola says, Lola did some shopping. 
Mm. Also, like, why are you in third person all of a sudden? Lola, like, like, what? Okay. <laughs> Crowley says, looks like Lola did a lot of shopping. <laughs> Lola says, but not all of it's for me. Looky, looky. And she pulls out a blood bag, a blood bag filled with O negative. Crowley says, I hope it's a good vintage. Lola says, well, you look like you could use a little pick me up. I just love what it does for you. Crowley says, do you? And then he flicks his hand, which sends Lola flying into the next room and hitting the floor at the foot of the bed. Crowley says, you tried to play me? I play the tune. Everyone else dances to it. Got it? Lola says, yes, I I am your slave. Crowley says, you're my rodent. My little rodent who went scurrying off to Abaddon to rat on me. Lola says, no, no. What? (laughs) Crowley says, do you really think some other lowlife wouldn't sell you out? I thought you were a smart girl. A girl I could have helped. Lola says, you're joking, right? You help me? Look at yourself. You couldn't help anyone. Crowley says, hmm. And he drops an angel blade into his hand from his sleeve and stabs Lola. She dies. Well, you're done now. (laughs) Yeah. He walks into the other room and shoots up another syringe of blood. Then he catches a look at himself in the mirror. He gets a wee bit emotional as he takes in his reflection. So we cut to Sam in the bunker library reading an entry on the computer about the Mariana Trench. Dean joins him. Sam says, hey, so Kane said the first blade was tossed into the deepest ocean, right? That's the Mariana Trench. Maybe Crowley found it, and it's a double cross. Dean says, that doesn't make sense. He wants me to power it up and kill a ginger. He set it up. Sam says, okay, uh, assuming he does show up with it, Crowley is only useful to us until we have the blade. Dean says, yeah, so? Sam says, so, there's nothing stopping us from using it on him, right? Dean says, nothing at all. Dean's phone rings, and he looks at the caller ID. He says, speak of the devil. He answers and says, just have to threaten his life a little bit. I know, right? (laughs) He says, did you find the first blade? Crowley says, not exactly. Dean says, well, then what exactly? Crowley says, I'm in a jam of sorts. Thought you might help. (laughs) So we cut to the Impala driving down a road. Uh, Then we see Crowley unlocking his hotel room door and going inside carrying a paper bag. Uh, He jumps when he sees that Sam and Dean are already inside the room. (laughs) Crowley says, hello, boys. He's a little off. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Dean uh, kicks a foot of the dead body on the floor, which would be Lolo's foot. Or maybe it's the man from the closet. I can't remember. He kicks a dead body. I don't remember. Yeah. And says, what do you call this? Crowley says, refreshments. (laughs) Sam says, what's in the bag, Crowley? Crowley says, nothing. Sam says, really? Maybe I can. uh..." And Sam reaches for the bag and it tears open. And we see a blood bag filled with AB negative. Sam says, what? Are you knocking over blood banks? Then Sam grabs Crowley's arm and Dean swings a chair around. They shove him into the chair and handcuff him to it. Crowley says, come on, guys. Bastard. <laughs> Dean says, look at you. You're a mess. You know, we were counting on you. You let us down. Sam says, your slimy followers were counting on you to kill Abaddon and you let them down. Dean says, the man with all the mojo, Captain Evil. Sam says, oh, it's pathetic. Crowley says, what is this? An intervention? (laughs) Sam says, you need to focus, Crowley. Get a grip. 
Dean says, what, are you just going to let hell go to hell? Crowley says, you don't know what it's like to be human. Um. When, and they just stare at him because that's weird. Crowley says, it's your DNA. It's my addiction. My cross. My burden. Dean says, all right, take it easy. Crowley says, I see the darkness of it now. The Anthony Weiner of it. It makes you needy. I needed her. Lola used me. She reported everything I did back to Abaddon. Sam says, Crowley, did you tell her about the first blade? Crowley says, I don't know. Things get a <laughs> trifle blurry when I'm medicated. Sam says, great. If you told Lola, she definitely told Abaddon. Dean says, which means that Abaddon's in the hunt for this thing, too. All right. You know what? This crap ends now. You're cut off. OK, kicking it. Cold turkey. So we cut two Crowley being tied up in the bunker dungeon again. <laughs> He's like, damn it. <laughs> Crowley says, back in this fetid pit. Could at least have added some throw pillows. Sam's on his laptop. He says, focus. Okay. You swept the Mariana Trench and Crowley said, and the first blade was not as hoped in the trench. It had, in fact, been scooped up by an unmanned sub from whom it was stolen by a research assistant who reportedly sold it to a Portuguese smuggler who, in turn, lost it to a Moroccan pirates, lost it to Moroccan pirates in a poker game. <laughs> Sam says, what? Carly says, poor moose. It's always a little tricky keeping up, isn't it? Sam looks up to find Crowley staring at him with a weird look on his face. Sam says, what are you doing? Crowley says, I'm still a little tainted by humanity. <laughs> Makes me sentimental. <laughs> Sam says, well, stop. <laughs> Crowley says, you and I both know we shared a mo back in that church. And on some level, we are bonded. Sam says, Crowley, the only reason you are alive is that we need your help to deal with Abaddon because she is an even worse pile of crap than you are. And that is the extent of my concern for you. Got it? Okay. What happened after the pirates? So you cut to Sam and Dean sitting on a bench outside in a park. They are waiting for someone. Sam looks around and sees Crowley shoulder deep in a vending machine, <laughs> which is a few yards away. He is in that machine. <laughs> Sam says to Dean, what is Crowley doing? <laughs> Dean looks around and says, stealing candy. <laughs> Sam says, he is, he, he's stealing candy. Dean says, you know, at least when Cass was human, he was an okay guy. <laughs> Should have known Crowley would be a douche version. <laughs> Dean stands up and shouts at Crowley, hey, hey, <laughs> cut it out, man. Image, you're the king of rotten. Act like it. <laughs> Crowley gets all pouty and goes to sit down on another bench. Just want some candy. <laughs> Dean says to Sam, you think this guy is going to show up? I mean, this isn't exactly a place where million dollar deals go down. <laughs> Sam says, look, word is this Andre Devlin character. Okay. The word is this Andre Devlin character brought. Nope. Nope. <sighs> <laughs> He bought the blade from the pirates, and he's been shopping it around. That's Third all I time's know. Third time's the charm. That, there you go. That's right. Uh, a man approaches them, and Sam says, hey, heads up. Sam says to the man, Mr. Devlin, we spoke on the phone. Devlin said, you said you represent a serious collector with an interest in a private transaction. Dean said, did he? Oh, well, what he meant to say was, is that we are with the FBI. <laughs> 
Devlin says. Then, good evening. Sam says, wait a second. We just want some answers. Devlin says, read. I know that I should know how to say this name, but I don't. It's uh, Sart. Did you just pronounce it Sart? S-A-R-T-R-E. I think you just say Sart. Honestly, again, I was a bookseller for a very long time, and this is one of those ones that I managed to never say out loud. Yeah, <laughs> like, so, like I know. But so he like, says, I anyways. I'm just gonna know. I'm gonna say it like that. It's probably wrong, and everybody hates me. Okay, uh, he says, read Sartre, Jean-Paul Sartre. I'm merely a facilitator between a buyer and a seller, a conduit. So unless I'm being detained, uh, Crowley is eavesdropping on this conversation and suddenly decides to take matters into his own hands. Crowley red like Crowley wow okay I'm gonna just take a quick drink of my coffee and hope that that resets all my shit <laughs> sorry okay so Crowley's red demon smoke rushes out of his mouth and across the park and into Devlin's mouth a moment later it rushes out again and back into Crowley's meat suit Sam and Dean are completely shocked. <laughs> like, uh, um, why? What? How? <laughs> yeah. Then Devlin says, so, am I being detained? Dean is, like, super flustered and says, not at the moment. No, but we got our eyes on you. <laughs> so, not yourself. <laughs> yeah. So Devlin walks away. Mm. Crowley walks over to the boys and says, National Institute of Antiquities. So we cut to the National Institute of Antiquities in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Inside, two security guards are playing a game of gin. Security guard number one says, gin, again. They hear a noise, but before they can check it out, uh, two columns of demon smoke come in from under the door and force their way down their throats. The guard's eyes turn black. Security guard number one goes to unlock a vault, while security guard number two stands guard. Suddenly, a girl walks in with a bag of takeout. She says, brought you guys something for your shift. Security guard number two grabs a knife from a table and cuts her throat. She falls to the ground dead. Okay, why is there just, like, a knife on a table? What? Also, like... I don't know. Couldn't you just be like, thanks for the food? Bye. Like, yeah, like she just brought you food. Like, you're a demon. Like, yeah. show you, like, food still. I don't I know. Mean, I mean, but just, do they need it, though? Probably I mean, not. No. And, like, let's but, be like, real. They're demons. They're out for trouble. You know, like. But, like, food. <laughs> At yeah. least look what's in the bag. I mean, I suppose okay. you could kill her and then look what's in the bag. Yeah. And you still get. Okay. Oh, anyway. I just, I just was like, why? Why? So, okay. So we cut to a few hours later. Uh, the room is a crime scene now. The two security guards and the girl are all dead on the floor. Police are taking pictures and cataloging evidence. The head detective on the case is talking to Sam and Dean, who are pretending to be FBI agents. The detective says, I don't have much for you guys. The guards were good men. They'd been here for years. Vetted. Honest. But Dean says, but... The detective says, the security camera shows a research assistant caught them breaking into vault number one. Dean points to the girl on the ground and asks, that her? The detective says, gets weirder. He shows them the security footage and it shows one security guard shooting the other one. Then the one that was just shot gets up and shoots the first guard. Then one guard shoots at the camera. (laughs) The detective says, like I said. Sam says, anything special about the particular vault they opened? The detective says, Vault number one is where they keep rare new acquisitions while they're being examined. Dean says, so, what was stolen? The detective said, that's the kicker. Nothing. The curator, Dr. McElroy, said the vault's been empty for weeks. 
then the detective gets called away. Dean says to Sam, okay, so just connecting the dots here, the blade was likely put in there when it first got here. Sam says, the guards were obviously demons, so what? When the vault turned out to be empty, they killed their guard meat suits and smoked out? Dean says, and reported back to who? Abaddon? Sam says, she's closing in. So we cut to Sam and Dean talking to the curator. Um, Sam says, so the first blade was never on display. Dr. McElroy says, no, authentic, that's not what she says. She says, no, authentic, I can't say the word, <laughs> authenticated. There we go, I did it. I'm not going to do it again. Yay! Uh, she says, uh, I didn't buy that name, was ever on the premises. Dean says, oh, damn it. He says the word. Okay. Dean says, authenticated. Ha! I did it again. Yay! Okay. I did it faster this time. I'm getting better. Uh, Dr. McElroy. Dr. McElroy. Okay, we're going to go for that coffee drink again. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> okay, in my defense, I just had like a literal buttload of curry. Like literal <laughs> buttload. Just think about that. <laughs> of curry. And like, I'm all over the place. I got some indigestion. Thought maybe I was having a panic attack. But the Tums just made it better. So, indigestion. Anyway. Um, okay. Gonna try this again. Uh, Dean says this blade was stolen and smuggled into the U.S. in violation of treaties with several governments. We can compel you to speak. Doctor McElroy, who is a woman, I might add, suggestively says, "Compel." And what might Ooh. that involve? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sam and Dean look awkward. She's like, I might be all of a sudden that sounds, difficult. That yeah. sounds okay with me, yeah. She says, all right, look, I did acquire the so-called first blade, and carbon dating did peg it to biblical times, but the authentication hey. proved unreliable. <laughs> Can they stop fucking? No, they don't. They say, god damn it. Okay. All right. Okay. Dean says, so, it was in the vault. Dr. McElroy says, I removed it myself. The guards didn't know. Sam says, and where is it now? Dr. McElroy says, several weeks ago, a confidential offer was made to purchase it. I was afraid we would never authenticate the thing, so. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> Dean says, who is the buyer? Dr. McElroy says, sorry, the buyer insisted on absolute secrecy. Of course. Yep. Dean says, well, federal statutes trump your little deal. So, the buyer? Dr. McElroy, even more flirtedly, says, and you'll get it out of me one way or another, won't you, Agent? Ooh. <laughs> Dean starts to smirk a little. <sighs> Dr. McElroy says, hmm, I never did know his real identity. He called himself Magnus. Don't ask me where he lives. I have no idea. But I do have a meeting. So here's my number, should you need anything else. She holds out her card, and Sam goes to take it. Uh, but Dr. McElroy pulls it back and hands it over to Dean, like, who takes the card. Nice try. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. McElroy leaves, and Sam gives Dean a really look. <laughs> Dean says, what? <laughs> Sam kind of chuckles. I can't help my child. I know, right? <laughs> the ladies want this. <laughs> Sam chuckles and shakes his head. He says, did you catch that? Magnus? Albert Magnus? The name the men of letters use when they want to be incognito? <clears throat> Dean says, yeah, but we know that all the men of letters are dead. Sam says, do we? So we cut to Sam and Dean entering the bunker's dungeon. Crowley is still sitting there. Crowley says, turn down service. I'd like a mint on my pillow. 
<clears throat> Excuse me. Of course you would. I know. Everybody would, really. <laughs> Sam says, what do you know about the Men of Letters massacre of 1958? <clears throat> Dean says, we know Abaddon missed our grandfather and Larry Gannon. Was there anyone else? Crowley says, let me get this straight. You can be locked up in this closet, ignore my suffering, and then come barging in here and demand my help. Dean says, more or less, Sounds yeah. Sounds like cranky. I know, right? <laughs> Crowley says, did I or did I not keep my end of the bargain the other night? Quite brilliantly, I might add. We are partners, and you owe me. <laughs> Sam says, owe you? Crowley says, I wouldn't be in this mess if it wasn't for you two. You shoot me up, you make me a junkie, you keep me stashed away for months while my kingdom falls apart. Dean says, what do you want? So, like, slow your old. I know, right? So we cut to Crowley sitting in the bunker library drinking a scotch while Sam and Dean rifle through boxes of Men of Letters files. Crowley says, it's not a very good scotch, is it? Sam says, beggars oh. can't be chosen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sam says, okay, Crowley, we have gone through the records for the entire membership in 1958. Every single name matches the men who were killed. Crowley is only half paying attention because he has found a busty Asian beauties magazine and is flipping through it. Crowley says, that would be the active membership, correct? Crowley says, uh, were you two dropped on your heads a great deal? Like I told you, rumor has it that a rogue member was tossed out on his arse. <laughs> Does that make him active? Seriously, boys, how did you ever function without me? Well, hello, Miss Ichigatsu. <laughs> Dean picks up a file box and reads the label. He says, ooh, I'm going to butcher this because this is not, I mean, I'm pretty sure this is Latin. He says, Inf no, 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 I'm going to start again. Infamati et obliterati? Obliterati. There we go. Obliterati. There we go. <laughs> and now I feel like Harry fucking Potter. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Crowley translates, dishonored and forgotten. So we cut to sometime later. Sam and Dean are sitting across from each other at a table, still going through the files. Dean says, wow, this guy was something. And he hands the paper over to Sam. Sam says, tough name. Dean says, yeah, Cuthbert Sinclair. I'd have just gone with Magnus. <laughs> Sam says, looks like he designed most of the wardings that, kept the bunker that keep the bunker safe. Dean says, says here he was named Master Spell right after he initiated. Sam says, I guess his work got a little crazy. The leadership called it it's eccentric and irresponsible. Dean says, okay, so are the project... No, that's not what he says. He says, okay, so these are the projects that he proposed the last two years he was here. Look at this. Rejected, rejected, rejected. Crowley says... Somebody's so not having a good time of it. No. Nope. <laughs> Crowley says, so difficult. Brilliant. Ahead of your time. Despised for it. Trust me. <laughs> I know. Dean says, formal separation from Men of Letters, 18, or April 1956. Sam says, he missed the massacre. Crowley says, I never knew his name, but I heard someone was out. Did my damnedest to find him. Thought he might be my way inside this joint. Sam says, so, where'd you look? So we cut to the boys and Crowley walking through a forest and into a clearing. Dean says, so this is where your demons tracked him to. Crowley says, exact spot. My boys never could find him. I'm sensing nothing, so if he's here, he's warded at the gills. Sam says, well, he was a genius at it, right? Sure as hell ain't going to be found by a bunch of demons. Crowley says, oh, like he's going to open his heart to you lot because you're such prizes. 
Dean says, better. We're legacies. <laughs> so there. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> Dean says, all right. If he's so bent on hiding, maybe he's watching. Give it a shot. Sam says to the empty clearing, Cuthbert Sinclair, uh, Magnus, whatever. We're Sam and Dean Winchester. Henry Winchester's grandsons. Dean says, and men of letters, ourselves. Sam says, we know what happened back in the day. We don't necessarily agree with it. We figured maybe you want to tell your side of the story. Nothing happens. So the boys turn back and look at Crowley. But suddenly there is a smoky like doorway that rises from the ground. Sam and Dean look at each other and then walk through it. <laughs> Just, eh, well. <laughs> oh, there's a door I go. We got to go through it. Here we go. <laughs> so they are immediately in a hallway in a beautiful mansion. No one else is around. Sam says, which way? Dean motions to the right. And so they walk down the hall. When they go around a corner, they are attacked by two vampires. They fight them off and behead both of them. Then over an intercom, they hear clapping and a voice. The voice says, bravo, well done. So we cut to Sam and Dean sitting on a couch while a man, Magnus, pours himself a drink. Magnus says, sorry about all the... <laughs> I said this word just fine the other day and I don't think I can do it. Uh, th- <laughs> theatricality? I don't, yeah. I don't think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. It just... it. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Curry. <laughs> Buttload. I'm just... I'm not right. Things are weird. Okay. Magnus says, I just wanted to see what you two were made of. Dean says, so what are we, underground? Magnus says, no, no. My fortress is right where you were standing, but it's invisible. Sam says, then you must be Cuthbert Sinclair. Magnus says, ugh, I haven't gone by that moniker in oh, 57 years now. <laughs> Dean says, well, you're looking good for a guy pushing 90. Magnus says, well, thanks, sport. There's a spell for damn near everything. I am impressed, though. You did exactly what you should have done, though I am going to miss those two from my zoo. Sam says, your zoo? Magnus says, oh, gentlemen, you are in the midst of the greatest collection of supernatural rarities and antiquities on the planet. (laughs) I'm sorry, did you say that you were men of letters? I thought that whole thing died out after 58. Sam says, well, we are. We are legacies. But actually, we are hunters. Magnus says, hunters? Wow! Hunters with the keys to the kingdom. The moist. The moist. Oh. <laughs> It'll be okay. okay. I'm so sorry. This is happening to my mouth. Okay. The boys must be spinning in their graves. Damn snobs. Bunch of librarians, if you ask me. Although I was always fond of Henry. I was his mentor, you know. Yeah, till the squares gave me the boot. Yeah. Of course, he came here to visit me in secret. Called out to me, same as you did. Oh, yes. Quite the wild hair your grandfather was. Okay, I need to drink, and then I need to tell you about this actor. <laughs> the guy, um, oh, what the hell? Cuthbert? Cuthbert, yes. Okay, um, I love this actor <laughs> so much. Um, I first encountered him on the show Eureka. He's uh-huh. he's only in the first, um, oh, no, no. The first, so, okay, the character he plays in Eureka is mm-hmm. a cop, but he is a robot. Yeah. Um, so, this actor plays him in the first, like, episode or two, or even maybe the first season. I can't remember, because that was a very long time ago that I watched it. Mm-hmm. Then he, like, dies, his mm-hmm. robot death, and then gets replaced by the same him, mm-hmm. same robot, different face, different actor, played by uh, Ty Olson, who plays Benny. 
Okay. Do I have it backwards? And it's Benny and then this guy? Can't remember. I mean, mm. I think I have it backwards. I yeah, <laughs> I think it, I think it's Benny, and then this guy finishes out the series. Um, but, anyways, love them both, obviously. So, <laughs> so cool. And now this is one of the like main Hallmark Channel actors. So, okay, yeah, I love him. I love him. I yeah. haven't like. I mean, at least in the last few years watched like really any hallmark anything mm-hmm. i mean here and there i've watched the ones that david hayden jones are in oh yeah because... they're all just like that pretty much yeah, yeah. oh yeah they're, for sure yeah i think you know i never really was into it until like covid happened and like just the like isolation and anxiety of that made me just be like i need something like happy and, and like about love and like predictable <laughs> and like Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, I just need every day to be fucking Christmas. So, like... That's fair. <laughs> that's how that kind of happened for me. Like, now that, like, I'm a little more emotionally stable, like, I don't really watch it anymore. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, every now and then. I do yeah. want to watch, like... I, I, well, I do watch some here and there around Christmas. You yeah. Know, but, There's like... A t- you gotta be in the mood. Yeah. And, and sometimes I am in that mood, and that's... That's cool, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, so woo, 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 where was I? Hunters? Wow. Your grandfather was a wild hair. Okay, Dean says, listen, <laughs> Magnus, uh, we got ourselves a little situation. Abaddon, the last night of hell, is looking to up her pay grade and take over the place. Magnus says, things never change, do they? I kept telling the boys over and over. I would say, we could stop all this. We could rid the world of monsters once and for all if we just put our minds to it. But, oh no, they said. No, no, no. It's not our place. We're here to study. We're here to catalog. Dean says, yeah, yeah, I know. We get it. They're uh, geeks. <laughs> Magnus says, hmm. Dean says, but she can be stopped. But we need something that we hear you have. The first blade. Magnus says, hmm, I see. Interesting. But if you'd really done your homework, you would know that it's absolutely useless. Unless, of course, you're possessing the mark. Dean pulls up his right sleeve and shows the mark on his arm. He says, the mark of Cain. Magnus says, oh my, how did you come by that? Sam says, listen. I tripped over it. I know. <laughs> really? You know, like, how do you think I, I came tripped by it? it? Just went right in my butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out my arm. <laughs> up your butt and around the corner. That literally gives that a whole new meaning. <laughs> Sam says, listen, if Abaddon takes over, the one thing she wants more than anything is to make hell on Earth. Not even you can escape that. Magnus says, and they say all hunters are morons. <laughs> it's right there behind you, gentlemen. Sam and Dean turn around, and we see that the first blade is just right there on display. The boys stand up. Dean says, listen, if you're serious about taking action, this, this is taking action. You loan us that blade, and we will stop that bitch. Magnus says, hmm, let me think about it. And then he turns around and grabs a pinch of some green powder from a tray on an end table. He says, all right, I've thought about it. And then he blows the powder at Sam's face and says a spell. Sam suddenly disappears in a puff of smoke. So we cut to Sam rushing through the woods back to the Impala and Crowley. Sam to Crowley says, Magnus has Dean. (laughs) Back in Magnus's house, Dean is pissed. He says, what did you do with my brother? Magnus says, don't worry, he's fine, but I did what any good collector would do. I separated the ordinary from the extraordinary. I had the first blade, and now I have the Mark of Cain to complete the set. 
Yeah, because I'm just a collectible, thank you. Yep. <laughs> Dean says, yeah, well, problem is, it's attached. So how about you loan me the blade and I take care of business? Magnus says, Dean, I am offering you the moon here to be part of the greatest collection of all time. To be young forever. Let me teach you my secrets, huh? Be my companion. I have to be honest with you. It has gotten lonely here over the years. Okay, but, like, that's not how you make friends is by, like, literally kidnapping them. I know. know? (laughs) Dean says, when you were saying any of that, did it feel at all creepy? (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to grab the blade and go. Magnus says, one little design flaw to the place. No windows, no doors. Dean takes out a machete and says, well, in that case, I'll just make my own. (laughs) Magnus says a spell. And Dean's machete burns extremely hot, and Dean drops it to the ground. Dean says, ah! (laughs) How was that? (laughs) (laughs) Magnus says, eh? Tricky little spell, that first one, right? Chinese. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Dean goes for his gun, but Magnus is holding it up in his own hand. Magnus says, ah, cheap magician's trick on that one. Picture pocket. Nice gun. Welcome to the collection, Dean. So we cut to Sam digging through the Impala's trunk to find anything to help him get back inside. Crowley takes a small peek, and Sam holds up Ruby's knife. He says, you mind? Crowley backs off and says, who would have thunk it, huh? Moose, you and me, same team, in the trenches. When this is over, we can get matching tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) Sam takes the file box from the trunk and goes and sits in the passenger seat to look through it. He says, just to be clear, Crowley, we are not on the same anything. <laughs> By the way, since the place is warded, your powers are useless, which means you are useless, even more so than usual. <clears throat> Crowley says, you're going to need another set of hands when you get in there, unless you have other volunteers in mind. Sam says, thanks, pass. <laughs> nope, I'm good. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Crowley says, if memory serves me, I'm the one who helped your brother find Kane so that we could find the blade so that Dean could receive the mark. I'm the one who flushed that lout Gadriel out of your noggin. So lately, big boy, I've seen more playing time than you. <laughs> Sam says, Crowley, will you please shut the hell up? Uh, the answer to that is always no. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I need to drink away my curry again. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so uh, back at Magnus's house. He has Dean tied up to a post. Dean says, oh, you're a really sorry piece of work. You know that? Hold up in here, doing nothing. You bitch about the men of letters. You're way worse. Magnus holds up the first blade and says, should we fire it up? What do you say? Dean says, go to hell. Magnus says, oh, come on, Dean. This is the object of your quest. Tell me Henry Winchester's grandson isn't curious to see if it works. Give me your hand. Dean doesn't move, so Magnus grabs his right hand and shoves the first blade's handle into it. He says, give me your hand. Then the mark of Cain glows red, and Dean looks instantly clenched. (laughs) Like, um, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know about this part. (laughs) His hand holding the blade starts to shake. He closes his eyes with the strain, but then opens them again, and he gets kind of like a faraway look in his eyes. The veins on his arm next to the mark start turning red. Magnus watches on with fascination. Suddenly, the shaking in his hand gets worse, and Dean drops the blade. He is breathing hard. (laughs) He's like, I didn't like that. (laughs) Magnus picks up the blade and says, that's it. Good. 
Next time it'll be easier. You'll get used to the feelings. Even welcome them. We cut to outside. It's dark now. Sam is still going through the fire, the fires, the files by lantern light. He says, here's something. Apparently he wanted to make the entire men of letters bunker invisible. All physical points of entry were to be eliminated and entrance would only be gained by spell. Ah, uh, we're going to need some things. You might actually turn out to be useful, Crowley. <laughs> <clears throat> so we cut back to inside Magnus's abode. Magnus says, you'll come to understand, Dean. Nothing can stop us. Anything, anyone we want to own or destroy is ours. Dean says, well, how about this, Magnus? How about I take a knee? Then what are you going to do, huh? You going to kill me? Because without this thing on my arm, that blade's nothing but a hunk of bone with teeth. It's <laughs> <clears throat> fair. <laughs> Magnus says, hmm, well, I'm not asking you for your cooperation. I'm just taking it. Magnus grasps Dean's head and recites a spell. Dean goes completely passive. Magnus says, interesting effect, huh? All thought, all will, just drained out of you. I do this enough. You'll be ready for whatever I have in mind. Which, like, cover your butt, dude. Like, that, that does <laughs> not sound okay. Now you everything. Yeah. Like, no, not okay. Okay. So we cut to outside. Sam is mixing, mixing a spell in a bowl as Crowley watches. Crowley says, I did good. Hey, Moose? Everything on the list. You're welcome. Sam ignores him and stands up and holds the bowl out. He says, remember, stay close, do what I say, and shut the hell up. <laughs> Crowley says, I'm growing on you, aren't I? <laughs> I'm obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> Sam chants a spell, and then a smoky door rises from the ground. So Sam and Crowley walk through it and into Magnus's hallway. Crowley says, love what he's done with the place. Then they hear footsteps coming down the hallway, so they hide around a corner. Magnus walks up and goes to put a map in a drawer. When he turns his back, Sam puts a knife to his throat. Sam says, take me to my brother. So Sam enters the room. Take me to your leader. I know, right? <laughs> Sam enters the room where Dean is tied up. Dean sees him leading Magnus with a knife to his throat, but calls out in a panic. Dean says, Sam, no! Then Magnus morphs into someone else, and he grabs the knife from Sam and goes to stab him. Sam recovers quickly and manages to stab him first. Uh, the real Magnus is now standing in the room with them. Magnus draws Dean's gun on Sam and says, Shapeshifter. You see, there are benefits to keeping a zoo. So we cut to a few minutes later. Magnus has Sam uh, Magnus has tied Sam up just like Dean onto another post. He takes a blade from a display and walks over to Sam. Magnus says, you know, I discarded you far too quickly, Sam. You're way more valuable than I thought you were. <clears throat> oh, great, thanks. I know. <laughs> to Dean, he says, why would I knock myself out trying to sap your will? I think Sam here will get you to see things my way. Dean realizes that Sam is going, that Magnus is going to torture Sam to get Dean to say yes. He says, Magnus, I swear to God. Magnus says, what? What are you going to do? He turns to Sam and says, what is he going to do, huh? So Magnus, He's a little too big for the bitches. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> Magnus cuts open Sam's right cheek with his blade. Sam says, ugh. <laughs> Dean thrashes around and tries to free himself. Magnus says, yeah, look. Look, Sam, I'm not going to kill you. Of course not. And Magnus makes another slice in Sam's neck. Sam groans. Dean suddenly notices that Crowley is peeking in through a doorway. Magnus says, but I am going to make you suffer unimaginably. All right. 
<laughs> and then we hear the sound of dropping chains, and both Sam and Magnus look over to where Dean was. He is gone. But before Magnus can recover, Dean dives at him with the first blade. The mark of Cain is glowing red hot, and Dean beheads Magnus, and his body and head fall to the floor. Dean is still holding the blade in his shaking right hand, and he watches Crowley. <laughs> Sam gently calls out to Dean. He's like, Dean, Dean, hey, it's over. He's dead. Um, hello. Yeah. <laughs> Dean looks at the blade and his arm that is still glowing. Sam says, drop the blade, Dean. Dean shows no indication that he's hurt him. Sam says, Dean. Dean suddenly remembers himself, and he looks at Sam. Sam says, drop the blade, Dear the way God, you're saying that makes it sound like I talk to Maisie when she won't drop something that she's not supposed to have. Drop it, you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, leave it alone. Same thing, though, right? Yeah, leave the cat. <laughs> not that she grabs the cat, but still, she's tried to grab the cat a few right. times. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know that tone of voice. Somebody's in trouble. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So Dean drops the blade and holds his shaking hand to his chest. So we cut to the boys and Crowley walking back to the Impala. Crowley says, brilliant, I must say. I'm speaking of myself, of course. (laughs) All you two managed to do was get trussed up. Combine a little daring do on my part, a little dumb muscle from squirrel, a little bleeding from moose. (laughs) Sam and Dean both step out of the woods and are completely shocked by what they find. Crowley is still talking. He says, happy endings, real credits. Dean says, no, no, come on, what the hell? And we see that the Impala's doors are all open and the car looks like it has been searched. Dean runs to her and checks to make sure that everything is okay. No! (laughs) Sam says, that's sulfur. Demons. Dean says, Abaddon's. Well, she's just one jump behind us. Guess she couldn't find Magnus's joint either. What about the trunk? Sam says, safe. Warden kept them out. Dean is super miffed. (laughs) He says, demon mitts all over my baby. Yuck. (laughs) He shuts the back door, and when he does, he sees that someone has keyed the whole side of the car with words. He yells, oh, come on, another key in cars? (laughs) Sam says, what language is that? Crowley says, it's Enochian. The message isn't for you. It's for me. Be afraid. You're queen. Abaddon's getting more brazen. She thinks I'm losing my grip. Sam turns to Dean, who is on his knees next to the car, very angry. And is also losing his grip. Yeah, <laughs> Sam says, Dean, Dean. <sighs> Dean gets up, and Sam says, listen, you said Crowley was only useful till we got the blade. We got the blade. Dean looks at Crowley, and that is when Crowley, Crowley? Crowley yeah. makes his move. He uses his demon powers to fling the boys to the side of the car and holds them there. The first blade falls from Sam's hand to the ground. Crowley says, you know, boys, I'm in debt to you. You forced sobriety on me, and now I can see the situation for what it is. Dean, you are quite the killing machine. And it occurs to me that Abaddon is not the only name on your list. My (laughs) name must be up there as well. No kidding. He told you. (laughs) I know. Dean says, it's no good to you without me. Crowley says, yes, but as long as I have it, it's no good to you. Crowley beckons at the blade, and it flies into his hand. He says, now, this is the way it's going to go. I'll hang on to old donkey teeth here until such time as you locate Abaddon. Then... I don't know why that makes me laugh. (laughs) Donkey teeth? Every time I... I'll hold on to old donkey teeth over here. (laughs) What? Yep. (laughs) 
<clears throat> Crowley says, then you'll destroy her. You're right, Moose. You can't trust me. But sadly, I can't trust you either. Then Crowley disappears, and the boys are released from the side of the car. They stand there, looking around in frustration. And... Credits. <laughs> okay. I have thoughts. So, the first one is that... Do you think, I mean, I know there was, like, the whole, like, ritual thing to try and turn Crowley into a human to begin with. Yeah. But do you think, given enough human blood, he could, in fact, turn himself into a human on his own? Or is it just he gets emotional with it? I think, yes. I I think maybe some higher-up demons, maybe not. But I don't think that, I mean, Crowley is a crossroads demon. Yeah. And we see later... How he gets to be that way. Yeah. I don't think Crowley, like, he's powerful, but he's not, like, a knight of hell powerful, yeah, no. you know? Like, Mm-mm. he's a powerful demon, but he's yeah. a powerful crossroads demon, which yeah. is a really high up there. Yeah. So I think that Crowley could be, I want to say confirmed, but that's not the right word. <laughs> Crowley could be transformed into a human, yeah. I think, or changed back or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. I mean, obviously he could be, but, like, I think, does he have to have the ritual? Mm. That's what I'm saying. Like, if he just keeps pumping himself full of human blood, like, he's going to have more and more emotions, but is he going to eventually turn human? Or I don't does know. he have to have those rituals, you think? Because he's getting more yeah. and more, like, you know, emotional and all that sort of stuff. I don't think so. Yeah, I think he yeah. needs to have the ritual. I think I he just likes the human. So. Yeah, I just think yeah. he likes the... I like. I think he likes being human again <laughs> or having the emotions Feelings. of a human. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I just realized I have chocolate on my phone and it kind of freaked me out because I was like, what in the hell is that? And then I'm like, nope, that was from my Kit Kat from earlier, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I know. Like, oh no. If it's brown, is it poop? Like, yeah. that's, that's just, you want a wet wipe? No, I'm good. Okay. I put it on my pants. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, whatever. <laughs> also, okay, so like, Sam and Crowley, matching tattoos, what would it be? I feel like it would have to be, like, something to do with a moose. <laughs> well, yeah, there'd be a moose and, like, a pitchfork or something. <laughs> Although, that's kind of satan A moose it? holding a pitchfork. Well, is it... Is it... Um, who are the bad guys in Rocky and Bullwinkle? Isn't Crowley kind of depicted as, like, the dude? Like, there's a girl and a dude, and I can't remember their names. I don't remember Rocky and Bullwinkle at all. Oh, I think Boris. my brother was, like, the cartoon person. I was, like, the Lizzie McGuire, even yeah. Stevens. Like, I think it's, I think stuff. the guy's name is, like, Boris. So I think it would be, like, that sort of thing. Or, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They might get... Butterflies just for... Okay, just Crowley like, would just for shits and giggles. Sam, probably not. <laughs> Crowley would definitely get a tramp stamp, though. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going with that. I mean, obviously, Sam's not against getting tattoos, but I don't think he would... To me, somehow, I don't think Sam would be the type of person to get a tattoo other than, like, the anti-possession thing or, like, whatever. Like, if it was useful for him, he would get it. But he wouldn't just, like, get a tattoo to get a tattoo. Mm-hmm. I feel like Dean would. Yeah. And probably has one somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, Crowley would be the one that would be like, I'll put whatever I want on here because I can just, like, magic it off, you know? Yeah. And, like, I'm going to make you get a matching tattoo with me and then I'm going to get rid of mine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> I, like, Mm-mm. need 
that to be a scene somehow, somewhere. Like, Mm -hmm. Sam and Crowley getting matching tattoos. Like, how plastered does Sam need to be (laughs) to get a matching tattoo with Crowley? I'm sure there's, like, a fanfic out there. Probably. Yeah. If there is, and y'all know about it, send it to me, because, like, I need that. (laughs) Okay. I can probably just do that for you. I mean, okay, so there's that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... Those are my thoughts. Um, <laughs> what was your favorite moment from this episode? Oh, ballsack. I didn't think about that. Um, let's see. Uh, um, hmm. Do you want me to go first? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Mine is when Crowley is stealing candy out of the vending machine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Dean is like, hey, cut it out, man. Image, you're the king of rotten. Yeah. Act like it. You know, yeah. like, what are you doing? You know, like, you moron. Okay, have, <laughs> did you ever watch Reba? No. Oh, Mm-mm. that was what she called people morons. Was, you moron. That's cute. So, yeah, anyways, that's, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I can't even think of one, like, specific favorite moment, to be honest. Like, I, I truly just liked, like, everything that happened out of Crowley's mouth the entire yeah. episode. Crowley was my favorite for this yeah. episode, for Not sure. to, like, cop out with that answer, but, like, everything was just I perfect. I mean, crying at Casablanca. Yeah, like, all of everything <laughs> yeah. that yeah. happened was Just the snark. Great. Yeah, all of it was lovely. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah. Okay, that's my answer. Crowley. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Sorry about it. Oh, you're good. Mm-hmm. So, interesting facts from this episode. Um, the first one, it says the set used for Magnus's castle is the same that was used for Jared Padalecki's home in The French Mistake. Oh, cool. Um, I could see that. Like, similar, like, what, obviously they would take down, like, certain, you know, pictures and replace it with others. But, like, yeah, I could kind of, that seems familiar. Yeah. You know? Um... (sighs) I don't know why this is an interesting fact, but it's funny. Um, it says, Crowley's cell phone reflects an incoming call from Dean as not Moose. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> I think that's funny, too, because, like, Crowley and Dean have more of a relationship. Yeah. Truly, mm-hmm. you know? And, and This so, is my Moose. Yeah. Or this, yeah. So or you this would, is not Moose. Yeah, you would yeah. think that Dean would have a better name as uh, not somebody else. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, you've called him Moose, and that's darling, but, yeah. like... You know, this is just you're not that person, you know? Yeah. Seems a little bit. I mean, he but. probably does that on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I got a call from you, but you're not him, mm-hmm. even though he's the one that he actually likes, you know, yeah. like, or seemingly likes, mm-hmm. or at least tries to get along with for the sake of the moment, you know? Yeah. But anyway, um, so it says... Guest star Nicole Polizzi, I don't know if that's how you say your last name. Snooky, yeah. Um, Was previously mentioned in season four's Supernatural Mannequin 3, The Reckoning, um, when Dean said regarding to going to New Jersey, hey, maybe we'll have a Snooky sighting. And Sam replied, what's a Snooky? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Nicole Polizzi appeared with the nickname Snooky on Jersey Shore from 2009. I'm guessing it started in 2009 because there are multiple seasons and they are still, in fact, going with like spinoffs of that. I know that. Oh, yeah. Like, there's like all sorts of different. I've not watched any of it, but I know that, like, I've seen commercials and stuff that, like, now, like, the guys have, like, their, like, own. I don't know. One of them was like a. Was it a game show? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I, but yeah, they're like they're still working off of that. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> um, 
Um, it says, uh, Crowley sipping scotch and perusing the busty uh, Asian beauty centerfold says, well, hello, Miss Ichigatsu. I don't know if I said that right. Um, mm-hmm. It says, Ichigatsu is Japanese for January. Oh, okay. Hello, cool. Miss January. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, it says, Sam tells Devlin, we just want some answers, to which Devlin replies, read Sart. That's what I said, too, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's how it's, yeah. Jean-Paul Sartre was a 20th century existential philosopher. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, the FBI aliases the Winchesters use uh, for the crossroad container are for Agent J. Lynn and Agent R. Tandy, um, referring to Jeffrey Lynn and Richard Tandy, members of the band Electric Light Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, they had previously used these aliases in Supernatural Goodbye Stranger. Okay. It doesn't say what season. It I just know. says 2013, so that must have... This is 2014, I think, so it must okay. have been season eight. Yeah, I don't remember what happens in that episode. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> um, it says... Is that Kevin Kavon Smith, um, who plays Cuthbert Sinclair, was a victim in an earlier series episode, um, season three, episode 15, Supernatural, Time is on My Side, from 2008, where he is credited as Jim Club victim. <laughs> hmm. Okay. I remember he that. was a dead guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, it says, some of the paintings seen in Magnus's Fortress include Bagged Hair and Game Fowl by Jan Fitt, um, which is after 1642, um, The Head of Medusa by Peter Paul Rubens from 1617, um, which is Sabbath by Fran- Francisco de Goya um, from 1798. Uh, the Conjuration by Francisco de Goya from 1797 to 1798. Uh, the Garden of Earthly Delights by Hieronymus. Hieronymus. Okay. Bosch. Yeah, um, that sounds familiar. I mean, like, the last names are kind of sounding yeah. familiar, but... Um, it, and that was between 1490 to 1505. Um, and Oedipus and the Sphinx by Gustav Moreau um, from 1864. Huh. Um, I'm impressed that somebody took the time to figure out what all those paintings were. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Um, it says, the establishing shot of the hotel just before Sam and Dean confront Crowley is the U.S. Grant located in downtown San Diego, California. Hmm. Um, it says, Crowley says, I see the darkness of it now, the Anthony Weiner of it. It makes you needy. Anthony Weiner was an American politician inf- uh, infamous for a scandal in which he sent lewd pictures of himself, including his Weiner. <laughs> 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 to women to whom he was not wed. Um, I see the darkness may be a reference to the Bonnie Prince Billy song, I See a Darkness, which was later covered by Johnny Cash. Okay. <laughs> if your last name is Wiener, don't go wienering about. No, it just, like... People are already suspicious of you. <laughs> oh. You can't you do anything it with not. it or you're making a joke. I know. Like, it's just, there's no... Like, uh, whether you deserve it or not, you're, you're a, pis- a, 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 pisson, <laughs> a person of suspicion. There we go. Yeah. Of, yeah you, of you can't... Sus- uh, 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 fuck. <laughs> I, I don't even know where you're going with that. A person of interest? There you go. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> a person of suspicion. I mean. <laughs> you have a suspicious wiener. Oh, no. 
Where did it come from? Where did it go? Where did it come from? Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> what did that have to do? Was you know what that song weird? is about? No, I don't. Cotton Eye Joe? It's about a guy with an STD. <laughs> it is? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that like a kid's song? I don't know. if I don't think it's a kid's song, but it is a popular dancing song look that shit up i am right now i I see that so many times and the first time i saw that i like thought about sending it to you and i was like there's no way she doesn't know this like she definitely knows this i'm surprised you don't know i i don't okay here are the lyrics like if you Um, read the lyrics it's like this is clearly about but like yeah it's like about a guy with an std Um, uh, uh, it's a song about slavery. That's what, okay, everything that I have seen has told me that that is about a song with a a guy with a suspect (laughs) STD, which I could be wrong, but I have seen that on multiple things. So it's very possible that, Okay, Urban Legend says that Cotton Eye Joe is actually about a man with an STI who steals his girlfriend. Hold on, let me actually open this article. Okay. And, like, that's kind of like... The The verses have changed over the years, but the general story seems to always stay the same. Joe is a villain-type character who steals the girlfriend of the singer. He steals them away and brings them to Tennessee in a lot of versions, leaving the singer alone and unmarried. There's a lot of theories about what Cotton Eye Joe really means, and while it's impossible to know it for sure, it's interesting to see what people think. Uh, okay. The theory surrounding Cotton Eye Joe are pretty intense. <laughs> Some are more plausible than others, but the reigning theories about they mean by Cotton Eye... Okay. Drunk on Moonshine. One theory is that Joe was a heavy drinker. Moonshine has the potential to blind people, so, pe- so people suspect that his eyes were turned a milky white after being blinded by alcohol. I mean, eh. Uh, blah, 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 blah. There's more about the white eyes. <laughs> uh, more about the white eyes. Glaucoma or cataracts. Uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Another condition that leads to another theory is syphilis. Urban legend says that Cotton Eye Joe is actually about a man with STI who steals his girlfriend. They claim the cotton is supposed to represent a cotton swab testing for infection. But honestly, given that this song's or that this song originated so long ago, this seems unlikely. And that's See, the article. I, and this was on throwbacks.com since I just read from a article. <laughs> a article? An article. A barnacle. A barnacle. Yeah. Well, so, okay. okay. So I could urban legend. Be wrong, no, no, no. I mean, that said it was the urban legend yeah. about it, but it looks like it started yeah. in more of a like slavery. To me, way. like yeah. Cotton Eye Joe was like <clears throat> a nickname for somebody's like warped wiener. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get that it. Yeah. Like, like now that, that you said that, I totally get it. That was my understanding of it. Well, yeah. Like, I always thought it was, like, wrong. an old, like, slavery song. And also, oh. every time I heard it, I was like, is it okay that they made this, like, a dancing song? Because, like, yeah. are we dancing to slavery? Because, like, honestly. See, I've never heard that. The yeah, only one that's I've ever what heard I was, was like, the, you got a funky wiener, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I not right. <laughs> obviously like that better than slavery, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I mean, there's that's just the truth. But, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like that, that's the truth yeah. also for yeah. everybody. Right, okay. Sh- should be anyway, but, you know. We have gone off track. We have way gone off track. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Too many wieners. Okay. <laughs> This is not our fault. <laughs> it's not, but it is. But it's not. Uh, McNutt. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm going to 
to move on. Um, <laughs> so, so the title of this episode is from the Ridley Scott sci-fi movie Blade Runner from 1982. <laughs> um, in the beginning, when Dean calls Crowley, his voicemail message says, too busy inflicting pain to answer. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it says, Magnus was a vampire who made Lestat de, de Lioncourt his sole vampire fledgling, as told in the Vampire Lestat. Um, Anne Rice's character was also known for being an alchemist by trade as a human and stealing his vampirism after being denied it for being old. Um, stealing it from a capturing... What? That sentence doesn't make any sense. Just try it. Stealing it from a capturing a young vampire. (laughs) I know, that's not right. That's definitely not right. Stealing it from a young vampire, I'm gonna go with. Um, his rebirth was considered an affront on the spiritual order. Okay. His rebirth as a vampire or turning young again? I'm going to go with the being a vampire. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I read a couple of those books. <clears throat> but, I mean, honestly, I, uh, her writing is fine. But, like, they're... I mean, they're I've a little more like the, you know. they're a little more like melodramatic and slow as opposed to like action and blood and gore, which is yeah. like when I was reading those mm-hmm. kind of books. Like that's what you were looking for. Yeah, it was more like, hey, I need some like you know, I need I need. I was like reading Stephen King, you know, which is a lot more mm-hmm. action, blood and gore. Yeah, and Rice is more like you know slow and moody. You yeah. know, like, so, and there's nothing it. wrong yeah. with that. But I was just no, like, not all right, like time. now fight or something like we're talking about vampires like fight somebody like yeah. what are you doing yeah okay sorry sorry Anne Rice they're just fine there's nothing wrong with you but like you know I just it wasn't it was it wasn't you know it was more just a a slow burn yeah you know yeah 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 I mean that's fair good writing yeah yeah um <clears throat> so it says Kaylee Spear who plays Beth um who the hell is Beth I don't remember a Beth Ever. <laughs> Maybe was that the lady that... Ca- it was either the lady that came in with the food or is the lady that was working there that, like, moved the thing. Oh, yeah. I, would I don't remember of either of them having a first name, so it could be I either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, she previously had an uncredited appearance in Supernatural Rock and a Hard Place um, as one of the members of the church's... Or of the church ch- chastity group. So it was probably the young girl. Yeah. Because I don't remember because, any, like, older women, really, yeah, in that group. And that would have been the episode where Sam and Dean are reborn virgins. <laughs> Rehymenated. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um... Um, it says, for the scene where the Enochian message is seen on Dean's car, the signs were actually carved into the metal rather than painted, which made actor Jensen Ackles genuinely upset. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. <clears throat> um, it says, in the final scene where the Impala is scratched up and Crowley pushes Sam and Dean against it, there's no driver's side mirror. Um, this may have been so Jensen wouldn't injure his hand when being pushed against it. Um, That's interesting, huh? Um, oh, I was just like this. These some of these interesting facts on this one are like okay, this is not really an interesting fact. This is literally obvious. Okay. Like, and also they all had another one that's saying you know Snooky was on Jersey Shore. Okay, like great. You know, like yeah. <laughs> we know that. So, <sighs> um, 
Anyway, yeah, those are interesting facts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, our research from this one is off of, oh, no, um, nj.com, which is New Jersey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's, the site is called nj.com. Okay. Um, and because... <sighs> I don't think they go to New Jersey. <laughs> I don't think they do. I don't again. remember. Maybe they do, but and like Jersey Shore. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, right. No, this is our chance. Yep. <laughs> we made a connection. We're yep. going with it. <laughs> um, so this is the living and the dead love this Jersey Shore town. Six haunted stories to prove it. Hmm. Um, it says Cape May calls itself the nation's oldest seashore sea resort. That's hard to say. Um, this quaint little city has been attracting tourists since the mid-18th century and continues to be a favorite vacation destination for families from all over the country. That's more than 250 years' worth of visitors that have come and gone. But it seems not all of them have left. Cape May is certainly one of the paranormal hotspots on the East Coast, said psychic medium Craig McManus, um, who, as a child, first stepped foot on the beaches of Cape May in um, the early 70s with his family. Ask any business, bed and breakfast, or hotel owner, and they are more, and they more than likely will have a personal ghost story to tell or talk about that they have heard. That was kind of a weird sentence, but it's fine. Um, so it says, why is Cape May haunted? Um, I think that Cape May just radiates a great energy, said McManus, while sitting on the porch of the Bedford Inn, a cozy bed and breakfast on Stockton Avenue. Um, people are drawn to places they like, he explains, and a response he often gets when talking to visitors is that there is something about Cape May that pulls them in. I think Cape May just has a very positive vibe that pulls in the living and the dead. Uh, McManus believes the old houses, the Victorian architecture, and the old customs are what attract tourists, as well as people that have intuitive or psychic ability. Um, it really feels like it's a special energy that draws people in in a positive way. Um, he equates that energy as possibly the reason why Cape May is so haunted. Uh, McManus, who has penned five books about the hauntings of Cape May, says that a lot of the ghost stories that are told in town are about people who worked or lived in Cape May. Um, you have your positive and your negative spirit stories, he said. You have people that stay because they were tragically killed. You have others that have stayed because they lived there and died there and they don't want to let go. Um, they have a material or emotional connection to the house they lived in. Maybe they don't want to cross over. Maybe this is heaven to them. It says, below are a few of the many hauntings that make Cape May a paranormal paradise. <laughs> um, the first one is the Emlyn uh, Physic Estate. Um, built in 1879, the 18-room Physic Estate was home to Emlyn Physic Jr., a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania's medical school. Um, his mother, Frances Ralston, and his aunt, Emily... Um, it's a weird way of spelling Emily, so I'm thinking that I'm not saying it right, but I'm, I think it's Emily... Um, Parmentier. Okay. Um, over the course of his lifetime, 14 dogs also roamed the estate. <laughs> oh. Random thing to throw in there, yeah. but that's okay. Okay. <laughs> um, today, the house is a museum run by the Mid-Atlantic Center for the Arts and Humanities, also MAC, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> which restored the Victorian building to its 19th century appearance. The office of Rosemary Rimbado, manager of tour operations for MAC, is in the back of the home where once was the porch... Um, so she has a front row seat to all the paranormal activity. Her first visual came one night as they were closing up the house for the evening. Um, when Rombato and a few staff members entered the formal parlor, they saw something that immediately stopped them from entering. Uh, the photo album was there and the page was standing straight up, said Rombato. 
Um, as soon as I said, what? It shut down real quick. Like, we walked in and caught them looking through the photo album. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> um... Many of the staff have seen figures walking into rooms only to find that nobody was there, and a maintenance man claims to have seen a dog in the house. Um, another time, Rambato was in her office with the house completely alarmed and locked and heard someone walking in with hard-soled shoes on the wooden floors in the kitchen. Um, Rambato claims that the second-floor hallway is the most active spot in the house. An image of a woman was captured looking in the mirror just at the top of the stairs. Yeah, I know. Um... The next one is the Hotel Macomber. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but um, the Hotel Macomber on Beach Avenue was built in 1916, and according to Mac, it was the last hotel to be built in Cape May for more than half a century. One winter evening during a seance in the hotel, McManus said he sensed five ghosts. He said one was a woman, Irene Wright, a widow from Reading. Reading? Reading. It's Reading. Reading. I was going to say, that can't be Reading. That seems odd. Um, I mean, not that it... There's weirder town names, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, but from uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, affectionately known as the Trunk Lady. <laughs> That's not a good nickname. No. Um, who always stayed in room 10 with her steamer trunk. Okay. Um, this room was active mostly during the months of June and November. Um, uh, McManus said that one night while staying in room 10, he was awoken twice by loud banging on the door. He jumped up, opened the door, only to find that no one was there. He was later told that he was the only visitor staying in the hotel that night. Oh, fuck that. No thanks. Um, <clears throat> eventually, he digitally recorded a woman's voice saying, I'm still here. Ooh, not cool, trunk lady. No. Come like, on. Please. No. Yeah, <laughs> I do not like that. No. Um, <clears throat> according to guests, room 10 has recently quieted down while other rooms have increased in activity. Um, McManus's theory is that when you're a ghost, peacefully trying to coexist, you'll move once people start talking to you. Um, McManus also sensed right in other locations in Cape May. Um, he found that she did stay in other places while visiting and surmises she is following old habits. Hmm. Okay. Um, ghosts follow old routines, he said. There are also reports from staff about a man's voice in the basement that groans or growls. He is known as the growler. Super original. <laughs> I guess that's better than the groaner. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody had a laugh about that. You know it. They're like, he like groans or like growls. Like, what do we call him? Well, not the groaner. We should call him the growler. Oh, yeah. you know, like, For real. Stay with the growling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it says, another presence that has been sensed is that of Sarah Davis, um, the original owner of the hotel, who died tragically in 1934. She shot, she shot herself in her hotel room and died four days later while in the hospital. Oh, my God. Um, Davis loved the hotel, said McManus, and she is still here today. Um, wow. Congress Hall is the next one. It says, Congress Hall was built in 1816 and was named after its first owner, Thomas Hughes, um, who was elected to Congress. The Great Fire of 1878 destroyed the hotel, but it was rebuilt and reopened a year later. Um, while walking in the third floor hallway, which closely resembles the hallway in the movie The Shining, mm. <laughs> McManus said that sometimes housekeeping would go to change your room over and would hear the radio or the television on and hear people talking. They would knock on the door, but nobody would answer. Um, they would soon be told that the guests checked out, only to go back to the room to find nothing on. Mm. Um, McManus has sent seven different personalities in the hotel, uh, two of which he said are children. He did discover that in 1876, a 10-year-old boy drowned in front of Congress Hall. Um, a few guests that McManus had, 
interview or has interviewed said that they would hear somebody walking around their bed at night and one person even heard the toilet flush. Ugh. <laughs> said, I didn't think ghosts have to use the bathroom, but maybe it's out of habit, he said. <laughs> um, uh, the next one is the Cherry House. Um, it says, Beth Acker doesn't believe in ghosts, even though she may share a house with several. Um, for 18 years, Beth and her husband, Frank, have lived in the Cherry House, which was built in 1849 by uh, Lemuel Lemming. What? Lemuel Leeming, maybe. Okay. Um, I've never heard that name before. That's interesting. On Hughes Street. Um, five years later, it was purchased by James McRae, um, who lived there for more than 40 years. During this time there, he buried three wives. Oh, my. Um, on purpose or on accident? Like, I, uh, that's, I feel like that's vital information that wasn't put in there. That's a suspicious wiener. <laughs> I know. For real, though. <laughs> the pain of death. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, moving on. <laughs> now, when we, when we publish this episode and we're like, what should we say about it? All I can think of is, like, suspicious wiener. <laughs> Which we should probably not do. No. But I want to. I know. <laughs> But we won't. <laughs> we'll come up with something. We might do that. Who knows? Depends on our mood on the, di- on the time. You know? I feel like I normally go for like the like lewd. Like, hey, <laughs> let's talk about that time when we joked about something sexual. And you're like, or we could talk about the episode. <laughs> <laughs> like every time I'm like, fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, some of them are just hard to connect, though, you know, like, because they're so, like, obscure, like, if, like, (laughs) it would be kind of funny to just put Cotton Eye Joe for the description of this one, but, like, also at the same time, like, wouldn't really make much sense, and, like, that could be interpreted in a bunch of different ways, so, like, eh, you know, like. Yeah, Yeah, I'd like to not go with the slavery route no with that description no i mean yeah. like i guess it depends on if like what you think of it yeah that's too, true you know? that's true like, yeah but anyway <laughs> okay sorry that got that yeah that got sad anyway okay. three wives gone okay um the ackers then purchased the house in 2000 from the estate of a woman who lived there approximately 31 years um the day of the settlement all of our neighbors came over to greet us welcome us to the neighborhood and tell us how haunted our house is said beth with a laugh um Yay. it didn't take long for the ghosts to welcome them as well um during renovations beth said that they noticed that the doors kept opening and closing but didn't think much of it at the time um one day a friend checked on the progress of the house and told them that the back doors uh, were not locked beth said she called the builder and mentioned this to him a couple weeks later their friend went back and noticed this time the doors were wide open beth confronted the builder again and he assured her that they were locking the doors well, we have issues with the door, she told the builder. They're open. <laughs> yeah. they open? Yeah. Um, a few weeks later, the builder called Beth and said, I don't know what you've got going on in that house, but you've got something major going on. Hmm. Uh, the builder told her that the workers would deadbolt the doors while working in the kitchen, and then when they returned after leaving, they found the doors would be wide open. That's not cool. Like, no. No. You're just, like, letting anybody in. You know? No. <laughs> Good grief. Fun. Um, another experience involved an electrician who received the shock of his life. Um. <laughs> wow. That was punny. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it says, when the electrician went into the former owner's bedroom to use the phone, um, the room became really cold to the point where you could see your breath, said Beth. 
Um, when she heard, or then he heard the water start running into the bathroom, or running in the bathroom. The electrician yelled out, who's in the bathroom? Right then, an apparition of a little old lady walked out through the wall. Acker recalled him telling her. Um, he ran out of the room, still holding the phone, tossed it in the kitchen, and said to the guys, I'm out of here, and I'm not coming back. <laughs> wow. That would be me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, it always makes me laugh, because they said he was a really big dude, but you can hear him scream throughout Cape May, <laughs> said Beth. Uh, he refused to finish the job. That's funny. <laughs> According to McManus, who has visited the house many times to contact the dead, there are three active spirits in the Cherry House, an old man, an old lady, and a little boy. Um, <laughs> I thought you, like, I saw you moving when the ice dropped from the oh, thing, yeah? and I thought you were like, from the... <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> um... Uh, okay, uh, McManus said the man uh, was very unhappy because his picture wasn't with the family photos. Um, the Ackers have a wall upstairs with all of their family pictures on it. Soon after, the McRae's descendants brought over a picture which now hangs with their family photos. Huh. Uh, not that I believe in all this stuff, but I hung his picture right away. Just in case. <laughs> yeah, it's the right thing yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, and, like, honestly, it could be kind of a fun, like... Oh, who's this guy? This, like, really old photo in with, like, all your family pictures. It's like, eh, he's our house ghost, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, or, like, eh, he's a relative if you really didn't want to get into it or, you know, whatever. Right, but, right. um, yeah. Um, it says, the last time McManus visit the, visited the house, he sent the spirits of three women, said Beth. Um, all were former wives of McRae's. <laughs> oh, no. Suspicious wiener. <laughs> McManus told the Ackers he had a ghost harem. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Um, the next one is the, oh, Chalfonte Hotel. Okay. Chalfonte. I'm going to go with Chalfonte Hotel, because that sounds better to me, even if it's not right. Okay. <laughs> um, the Chalfonte Hotel was established in 1876 um, and is the oldest original hotel in Cape May. It sits just two blocks from the beach at 301 Howard Street. Um, according to McManus, a frequent sighting um, was of a younger woman, sometimes holding a baby, sitting in the cupola, um, a small room, or cupola? I have no idea how to say that word. I feel like I've heard this word and I know it, but, like, I can't... I've only ever read it. Like, I've never heard it spoken. Cupola? 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 Okay. <laughs> a small room on top of the roof. I think it's a cupola. Okay. I could totally be wrong. I... Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and it looks towards the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, he believes that she stayed at the hotel and is waiting for her husband, who is possibly lost at sea, to come home. Um, because this woman is a continued sighting, McManus thinks uh, she might be a residual haunting, meaning that she was so upset about losing her husband that an energy imprint lingers there. Mm-hmm. Um, a living person at some point in time has deposited a traumatic event or deposited their emotions, and they just sort of linger. That's sad. Yeah. Um, it says, another sighting is from Dylan Mullock, um, whose family owns the Chalfonte. Um, one winter night, Mullock was walking towards a hotel from the back alley when he looked up and noticed a figure walking in the hallway. He was the only one in the hotel at the time. Um, he went back into search and found that the hotel was empty. Um, one night during an investigation, McManus said he was told off by a ghost. An electronic voice, uh, phenomena, EVP, <laughs> picked up a man's voice yelling, McManus, fuck you! <laughs> wow. That's... Yeah. Okay, you know, like... No confusion about that. Nope. Yeah. Like, fuck you in particular, yeah, sir. You know, like... Exactly. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> says a grumpy living person will turn into a grumpy ghost, he said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next one is the Cape May Fish Market. Um, in the mid-1800s, the American House Hotel um, occupied one side of the Washington Street from Decatur to Jackson. Um, the first floor of the hotel consisted of stores, while the second and third floors were hotel rooms. Um, today, there are many establishments that stand where once, or, yeah, where once the American House Hotel stood. Um, some of these include uh, Delany's Irish Pub and Grill, the Ugly Mug. <laughs> I want to go to a place called the Ugly Mug, mm-hmm. just to see. Um, and the Cape May Fish Market. Uh, the Cape May Fish Market was opened in 2008. Uh, Trista Watson has been a server there for three years. Um, that's three years worth of ghost stories or encounters that she can talk about. Um, approximately two weeks ago, Watson said uh, she was standing by the computers with a co-worker when she heard something directly in her ear as if somebody was standing between the two of them. Somebody whispered, Trista, in a very deep male voice, said Watson. Like, as if someone just poked their head between the two of our heads because we were standing right next to each other and just said my name. <laughs> um, Watson said that her co-worker quickly turned to her, um, and said, did somebody just say your name? <laughs> Um, she has heard knocking on the back door, uh, witnessed a coffee pot fall off of a coffee machine and shatter, and a plastic glass fly off of the prep table, like someone smacked it, said Watson. Hmm. Um, I know that we're not alone here, she said, and they do little things to let us know that we are not alone here. (laughs) Uh, McManus believes that a young man is the one who moves things. Uh, the guy in the basement is a younger guy, a younger energy, said McManus. He's a prankster. <laughs> General Manager Paula Gesserich um, has a video evidence of bread randomly falling off a shelf in the basement, brooms moving, and a hovering figure in the dining room. Ooh, I don't like that. I don't like that either. Um, above the restaurant are apartments that were just used for storage. Uh, the upstairs is now being renovated into eight apartments that will open this year. Um, Gesserich says that the uh, that prior to the renovations, one of the women that was helping her clean upstairs watched the sleeve of Gesserich's sweater lift up and fall back down. Um, Gesserich was not wearing the sweater. It was draped over a railing. Mm. <laughs> um, McManus senses uh, two energies upstairs, one a woman and the other a man. He believes that the man who is cognizant and watches over things may have lived or stayed upstairs. It's a good energy. <laughs> says they are not going to kill you <laughs> people have a perception that if you have a haunted inn or your hotel has a ghost or your house has a ghost it's going to be some demonic entity that will be dragging you down through the ducks into hell said mcmanus um in most of mcmanus's investigations especially especially in cape may uh the hauntings have been on the benevolent side he said um a ghost's personality can be cranky or grumpy or mad about something but they're not out to kill you they're not out to hurt you he said most of the time they simply want to coexist with the living um mcmanus believes that it's the living who annoy them (laughs) i can see that yeah it's like any relationship it's about respect and boundaries said gesserich um she says they respect and acknowledge there is existence and when their ghosts test the boundaries it's usually because they're being mischievous never harmful um, the people that are really intrigued by the paranormal, Cape May is a paradise because you can stay in all these great places. There are wonderful locations, historic lodging. It's like stepping back in time with some of the original occupants. So, yeah. Awesome. Sounds like a cool place. I'm going there in a couple of months. Maybe you should check it out. And, like, I kind of, well, not to this specific place, but just, like, that area and yeah. like I kind of like I'm not gonna go out of my way but like if we pass by one of them I'm gonna like at least try and take a picture if not like yeah you should that'd be briefly so cool. go in 
yeah. and then leave. You know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> uh. right. Um. So, what was your harassment moment from this week? All right. Well, I had to dig deep for this one because <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing that exciting really happens to me. So, um, I was, uh, I was thinking about some of my greatest hits, <laughs> and um, an old friend kind of reached out in a message to me the other day, and I was like, oh, I could respond to this person. And then I was like, wait, have I made an idiot of myself in front of this person? Yes. <laughs> and I will tell you about that, <laughs> listeners. So, this was many years ago. I would say Eric and I were probably like, I don't know, 26 or 27. Yeah. Uh, we were camping in the summer at Sun Lakes, which is out in eastern Washington, um, like past the gorge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's out there. Beautiful yeah. place. Um, I yeah. absolutely love it there. Um, uh, and this was back when we were okay with camping. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, uh, this place is so cool. It's got, like, this huge lake with, like, rocks, like, right under the surface, like, flat ones that you mm-hmm. can just, like, walk out on, yeah. you know, and, like, still be in the lake. And, you yeah. know, it's just, it's really cool. They have showers. They have cabins you can rent. Mm-hmm. They have a snack stand, which hey. I enjoy. They got, like, a little general store mm-hmm. and, like, a chocolate store and, like. It sounds kind of like a KOA campground, you know? Like, they have their little, like, store I think there's, like, that, an area know? that you can do that there, yeah. but there's also, like, where you can put up your tent and yeah. there's the cabins you well KOA like huge... is just an organization yeah yeah, yeah yeah I know what you mean yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah you can you can put your trailers there too cool setups mm-hmm. anyways <laughs> so um so it was there it was me and Eric and my cousin Andrea and her boyfriend at the time um who we will refer to as Cam Cam <laughs> and um and then a bunch of I think Maybe some of my friends were there. A lot of my cousin's friends were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were all, this is something we did every summer. Yeah. Um, and we were just, you know, having a really good time. It was the morning. Um, we'd been there for a couple days. We were at the snack stand waiting for our breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, best biscuits and gravy, like, I've ever had. Hmm. Ever. That's impressive. From this shack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. So, we're waiting. We're sitting at um, the little benches out front and um i'm not sure how it happened but we started talking about like tampons or something like it's like a, yeah. a group of boys a group of girls we're mm-hmm. all together and um somebody said something and i was like uh, about tampons and i was like oh like cam cam like do you actually know like how a tampon works and he was like no <laughs> or i don't know i don't remember what exactly like, he says but i assumed that, I that <laughs> i was just like well let me show you <laughs> so i pulled one out of my bag or purse or whatever i had and i was like okay so i like took the wrapper off and i was like okay give me your hand it's gonna be my vagina <laughs> and he was like he was like okay holding the tampon and I like wrap his hand around it you know the applicator part and I'm yeah. like okay I was like you have to hold it tighter like we are not loose women it's <laughs> just like okay. oh, God. like this poor guy I just I mean I mean you're my cousin's boyfriend like this is what you get this is what this is what you get you're involved with me and to some extent like yeah. this is what's gonna happen yeah so he's like okay so he's like holding this you know tampon applicator with the tampon inside and I was like okay so what you do is you hold it here and you shove it up till you touch yourself. And then you push this a little bit all the way up and like, whoop, there goes the tampon. Yeah. And it's up. It's good. Yeah. And he was just like bright red, like, why are you doing this to me in public? And 
I was like, and somebody had like a glass of water next to us. I was like, and this is what happens when it gets bloody. <laughs> and, like dropped it in and just like poofed up. <laughs> and everyone was just like, I mean, the girls were all laughing hysterically, and all the boys were like, oh no, why? Why is this happening? Like, oh god, I and can't. I, yeah, and I think that I just like blacked out the rest. But the point is. <laughs> That I taught him some science, <laughs> and he still, you know, loved me in a, you know, cousin way. Yeah. So, it's okay. We were good. We were fine. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, do all boys need to know that? Probably. It's, yeah, a, it's a process. It's, it's useful it's weird. It's a weird experience, you know? They teach you in, like, health class in fifth grade or whatever how to do that. And, yeah. You know, I mean, the, thing. the girls, yeah. 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 And, yeah, they split you up. Yeah. Anyway, I uh, look back on that moment now fondly, but also I feel like I was probably a, a big asshole <laughs> about the whole thing. I feel a little bad. You know, like, did I embarrass him? Probably. Did I always embarrass him? Probably. So, Cam, Cam, if you're out there, I'm sorry. <laughs> also, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm sure it came as useful information at some point in his life. Yeah. It's like, okay, even if you don't use them, you should probably know how they work. Because, hey, like, what if you have a daughter someday? Like, Well, yeah, exactly. And, like, she starts her period, and you're the only one home. And, like, what are you going to do? Be like, here's this thing. I don't know how it works, but, like, here you go. You know? Yeah, like, right, right, yeah. What? You know, That's like, true, yeah. That's how people hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but That's true. Yeah. I never thought about it. Okay. All right. Yeah, I did like, a good thing, damn you it. You did a good thing. All right. All right. Good. Damn it. I feel, I feel better. I feel better. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. What was your Isidoroswit moment? Uh, mine is Maisie again. She bitch slapped me. I'm just going to keep this short and simple because really, <laughs> it's too soon. My eye still hurts and I'm still mad about oh, it a little no. bit. But like, I was like kind of playing with her. Nothing like, I was not like really roughhousing with her or anything. We're just kind of like, you know, ha 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 ha, like sitting on the floor. And she went from like, kind of like, oh, hey, hey, how's it going? And like wagging her tail and like, you know, walking around, around me and just like, oh, are we going to play? To standing up and just... Whap right across the face with oh her paw. Oh my god! And she's got big feet, you know. Like, yeah. And I don't know if it was her paw pad or her nail. I think it might have been her paw pad. Mm -hmm. Maybe followed by the nail because, like, there's no scratch on my eye necessarily, but yeah. it's been like two. It's been a couple days now, mm -hmm. and like. My eye still kind of hurts. Yeah. You know, like, it got scraped. You know, like, it feels kind of, like, sandpapery. Mm -hmm. And not, like, in a dry way, but in, like, a way of, like, I have sand in there. Yeah. You know? But, like, I don't know. It's, like, weird because it doesn't hurt. It doesn't feel like I have anything in my eye, but it's just, like, kind of sore, you know? Yeah. That um, sucks. And then, like, I couldn't open my eye for a good little while after that, and my eye was, like, bright red and, like, watering really bad, and it was, like, okay, it kind of, like, calmed down after a while. It was still kind of red when I went to bed, and I woke up, and it was, like, a little goopy, not too bad, but, like, and it's definitely still, like, watering, and, like, in the morning I wake up, and I'm, like, oh, I'm a little, like, I've got some stuff there, you know? Yeah. But, like, I think it's just because it's, like healing you know mm -hmm. like yeah it's like throw all the plasma mm -hmm. at it you know yeah, like, right. so yeah 
Oh, anyway, I'm sorry. That dog just keeps kicking your ass. She keeps kicking my ass. She's making me work for it. That's for damn sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I love her. Of course. She's sweet. And she is, she's, again, just a puppy and yeah, learning. Yeah, she's seven months so, old. So, I get it. Today, but, I think. So, aww. you know, like, okay, you know. It is what it is. But, like, damn, dude, stop hurting me. Yeah. Like. Right. Ugh. <laughs> Man. But, anyway. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to us and our shenanigans. You can email us at idgitsandaspetspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Idgits and Aspets, a supernatural podcast. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and send us your Idgit and Aspet moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thanks.